So we might as well welcome you to episode 43 while we're in the middle of dis- discussing gloves. Uh, welcome back. Uh, this is jo- <laughs> this is Joanne Don. I'm here with my co-host, Christy Farrell. Hello. And we were just chatting about a glove post that I wrote recently. <sighs> I threw out, because actually I have a reader question that posted on my Facebook page, on my Gearchick page, so... I'd like to address, I try to address reader questions into blog posts so everybody can benefit from the advice. And um, and you are correct. You did link to it. So I think this week, this last week, I posted a, um, a blog post about glove suggestions and just kind of your typical year round, like every, you know, what you would wear when it's not really, 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 really cold or really, really, really hot, just kind of the year-round, quote-unquote, glove. And for me, that's a kangaroo palm um, cowhide constructed glove by racer gloves that they don't make anymore because it's not really warm. It's not exceptionally breathable for when it's hot. So it's just that middle, you know, kind of your go-to glove for moderate temperatures. So I put together about, I don't know, five other gloves for ladies, of course, because, um, you know, for every glove we have, you have like 30 for men. So <laughs> if you, of course, if you, if you Google the same glove for men, you will find three more others just like it. Um, but the one that I specifically was referring to is my racer gloves, which they discontinued. Um, but there's uh, some other really nice options in there from Alpenstars, Dionese, Revit, held? Did I do any held options? Um, I don't think so. I should throw in some held because there are some really good held, held neutral men's gloves that could work really well for ladies. Because held does go down to a six in a few gloves and they do a seven in uh, many of their gloves. So a seven is actually like a medium ladies, like small to medium. So it's actually a pretty good option. Um, yeah, I have yeah. long fingers, and I wear a medium, a seven, actually. Yeah, uh, but, you know, the only downside to wearing men's gloves is that, for the most part, our palms aren't as wide. Like, mm. from the wrist, you know, if you look at your hand, you know, the width of your wrist in relation to the width of your palm, say, from the far, you know, the far left, if you're looking at your right hand, from the far left side all the way to where your thumb starts, it's not, it's kind of, um, it angles out. So your your wrist is def- is dramatically narrower, right? If you just look at it and say you measure it, you know, your wrist measurement in relation to your palm width is pretty small. On a guy, that number increases. So the wrist measurement is definitely not as small relatively because their wrists tend to be just a little fatter a little wider and so the glove entries and the palms are just roomy um there's you know certainly some brands that are better like um you know revit dionese sometimes alpenstars but that's the only downside is if you have like a pretty lady hand um it's hard to fit into a men's glove or if you're like me and you just have mid you know my tiny hands like yeah, little not long hands. fingers. I've got short fingers and a really small hand. Um, yeah. I'm a well, six. Well, for those, 
For those with hands actually larger than mine, not like any of the women really listening know what the size of my hand is, but if you think that you would wear a racer large, you're in luck because I just found the gloves that Joanne lusts over in a size large for 100 Ladies? bucks on eBay. Ladies? 100 bucks. Yep. Nice. Yeah, you should post that. It's an exceptional glove, but large yeah. ladies is a very rare size. It's, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's maybe one out of every, you know, 10 women's gloves I sell. One could be a large lady, maybe. Mostly small mediums. Um, yeah, there's just, just a lost. It's, a, it's All I can say is best glove I've ever had in my life, ever. Yeah. Well, was, I will definitely post that. So if you're a female that. and you're looking for gloves and you don't have the uh, long-fingered piano hands, what would a size large be, like, respect to uh, the racer glove between my hand and a large? It's would it be fatter fingers, longer fingers? Um, what do you think the difference would be? Not I mean, really, you can... Not really lar longer fingers, but just if you measure around the um, palm of your hand, and actually, if you look on any glove, look at any... Um, it's actually a good link on, on Revzola. If you go to any held glove, so you just put in held gloves and then pick one of those and go to the size chart for that glove, there's a really cool photo. Okay. And, and there's actually a size chart on uh, on racer gloves as well. And there you I'd go. imagine that they would stick to that sizing. So Pretty yeah, much. Um, definitely I'll, I'll put the link in the eBay post as well as Joanne's review up on the site. So if you're looking for a pair of gloves, mm -hmm. um, you should definitely check it out and measure out. And I found the racer glove uh, sizing to be pretty on par with what they have on their site because I actually took measurements of my hands when I was doing the mm -hmm. review. The hell, Yeah, glove sizing is so much easier because for the most part, it does match up. I guess where you run into trouble is wrist entry, wrist uh, width on the glove and then finger length, you know, but for the most part, the Europeans will have the, your more slender, um, hand fits, slender wrist, uh, Revit does run long. Held actually has glove sizes. They offer some models in long, just depends on the model because they don't all offer long, but like a few of their, um, more popular styles, you can get short and long. So that's kind of cool too. So that works for a lot of women too. Cause like there's one called the Steve and <laughs> it's a very simple glove. It has soft foam, not hard foam, uh, kangaroo palms. And I think you can get that in a seven or eight short. So there's, yeah, actually they even have half sizes, I believe. So that's actually a really nice option, but it, it's really hard when you have really small hands like me, my mm -hmm. hands are tiny. So all I can wear are women's gloves I've never found, I've only found one men's glove I could wear, and that was a dual sport Revit glove, which I'm never really, I don't have plans to wear that anytime soon, but I'm always interested in full race gauntlets, like a good track glove, um, but I'm a six, or actually, I measure, I think, a seven when I use the size chart, but uh, my fingers are short, so I always need the tiniest glove I can possibly get <laughs> um, but uh, yeah if you need some gloves that's a good way to go uh, what else Christy is also going to tell us all about Overland Expo and how that went and um, just a couple of short news stories nothing terribly fancy for this episode so tell us all about the expo well I think before I get to the expo um, I know I did somewhat talk about uh 
my trip to San Diego before I went to uh, mm. to Overland the following week. And what I did the morning of the 3rd, which was Saturday, I believe, was watch the Cannonball Project uh, take off from San Diego. And if you are not familiar with the Cannonball Run, as they usually call it, it was an original trek across uh, the United States that started in San Diego um, by Irwin Cannonball Baker on a 1914 Indian. And he did the entire stretch from San Diego to New York on that bike and mostly off-road because it was really not a time where most roads are paved. And that run is typically what nowadays we refer to the pre-war motorcycle journey that's also across country but starts in new york and ends somewhere on the west coast and the last couple of years it's kind of fluctuated between um, santa monica pier and san francisco and this year if uh, memory serves in september they're ending in tacoma um, in washington so uh that is typically what you hear, but the original run started in San Diego, and Don MD for the last couple of years has been working on recreating that specific route uh, down to the hour and time. So literally, Cannonball Baker started on May 3rd at like 9 o'clock a.m., and that's exactly when they left San Diego. So I went down there to give some support to Robert Pandia, who is with Indian Motorcycle, who is one of the quite large, I think there's like 50 people leaving just for the initial leg going to Yuma. But uh, he was one of the folks who was traveling on this cross-country route, and he was on a 2014. So exactly 100 years later, he is on an Indian motorcycle that is the 2014 Indian Vintage, which was the same one that I rode, except it had the windscreen removed and a lot of other components removed, the exhaust that tampered with. He swapped out the seat and uh, had Salomon actually recreate a Springer seat. So... Uh, lots of lots of changes that he made to that bike. We'll post the links to that. Epic photo of him tackling some off-road, basically deep sand and gravel in between San Diego and Yuma, which was really the only stretch that was unpaved on that journey. If you want to check out those photos and check out, it's The Cannonball Project on Facebook, as well as cannonballproject.com on the internets. And a joint project with the Motorcycle Industry Council, as well as Discover Today's Motorcycling, there was a film crew that was doing kind of a recap on each day that they were riding. So you can watch those just under two-minute segments from each day on Motorcycles.org. So that's pretty much the uh, wrap for Cannonball. Now, as far as Overland Expo goes, Carla King, who is a previous interview on our podcast recommended a great route and considering i was leaving with uh with chris ashmore from the cafe racer podcast she recommended a route from san diego and so i was looking for something that would hopefully leave me a little less windy uh on the, on the way over and so she gave us a route which i will outline for you guys that was gorgeous no problems two-lane roads for the most part not a lot of uh, not a lot of road traffic uh, we left the eight and took the 79, which goes through Cuyamaca State Park, and then the 78, which basically goes through Anza Borrego beneath the Salton Sea. And then you briefly connect on the 10 going through Blythe and Quartzsite, and then take the 60, which goes through Wickenburg in Arizona, and the 89 up through Prescott. 
and then eventually connecting to the 17 and up to the Mormon Lake area. So Overland Expo was a lot of good fun seeing all the, the girls. The girls that all miss Joanne, Adventure Trio, Nicole Espinosa, uh, Carla King, Allison DeLapp, quite a few folks that we've had here on the podcast. The Adventure um, Gang. Exactly. The Adventure Nerds. <laughs> And so that was good to to meet up with them again, because as you know, we're kind of scattered about the globe. So it was nice. And I picked up a couple of uh, new folks that uh, we can interview in the future. And so that was good times. Sat on a couple of panels about overland crossings. One of them was with respect to customs and border crossings and bribery. Uh, one of them was a panel for South America. Another one was how to integrate travel into your daily life. Needless to say, it's really entertaining to be on a panel and have so diverse of a crowd in the audience as far as both two-wheel and four-wheel enthusiasts and have them teach you lots of stuff. Like I was finding out things, of course, from the other panelists, but the audience alone had some great feedback. Like, for example, the carnet that typically you think, as far as I was concerned prior to my trip, was just a piece of paper that whenever I crossed a border into a foreign country, I would get a stamp in my passport for myself, and then I would get a stamp on a piece of paper for my bike. And I needed to have that paperwork when I exited the country just as proof that, hey, I came in with a bike, I'm leaving with a bike, don't worry, you don't need mm. to collect tax from me, I didn't sell it. Uh. Well, a proper carnet is actually some sort of bonded insurance guarantee against the value of your vehicle or your motorcycle, which you have to procure before your trip. And in some cases, it's the value of your vehicle which you have to put down as a deposit or you buy insurance and one of the members of the audience actually said that in Egypt it's eight times the value of your vehicle so if you have a three thousand dollar bike you need to have a bond of twenty four thousand dollars or insurance which should be slightly less but nonetheless uh, interesting interesting stuff to consider depending on where you plan on traveling overall a fun weekend. Very important to note that wind is obviously a, a huge problem in my life, as you've all heard me groan about wind crossings on the 10, and actually wind was the reason why I took the 154 and had that lovely accident um, west of Santa Barbara. But uh, on the way back, I took a similar route, but I took the 10 all the way back home instead of cutting down and going to San Diego. And the 10 right around Desert Hot Springs and Palm Desert was just insanely windy. And right before I left on this trip, I, I know I freaked out a lot of people because I was really, really concerned with wind <laughs> because it literally controls my life and my journey and my path. And I had this maybe five-minute conversation with Jason Pridmore of Star Motorcycle. And as we're talking and I'm telling him about how wind has always been kind of a the scourge of my existence, he said, have you ever tried weighting the pegs? Mm. And I was like, huh, well, all of my weight, huh? N not my butt on the seat. Well, that's interesting. I never, like, I put pressure on it before, but I never actually stood up on the pegs but crouched down. So basically... If you can imagine standing up on your pegs on, a, on an adventure bike, but then your face is just at the windscreen level, you're in like a tuck, but your butt is not on the seat. Mm. In past times when I thought I was weighting the pegs, I mm. was really just, you know, the butt was still on the seat. So my, 
my weight wasn't getting dispersed to the foot pegs. Hmm. Uh, needless to say, that advice was perfect because I literally plowed at 70 past a military convoy that was moving around on the freeway, all these trucks that were having a hard time, and I just blazed right through and barely felt any uh, any wind resistance whatsoever. So kudos to Jason for, for giving me that advice. You guys, I'm telling you, you should check out one of his courses because if he can make that kind of shift in my life in a five-minute conversation, imagine what he can do for you guys over a two-day period. Mm-hmm. I don't remember using that technique, but I just remember laying as low as I possibly humanly could to just keep my center of gravity low, but also just stay behind my windscreen. I don't know what yeah. I'm going to do when I don't, ha- I don't have a windscreen anymore. I'm going to have to see what I can do. I haven't really haven't really hit the fierce winds yet. Just on the freeway, it's just kind of whatever. It's not anything yeah. exciting. Well, and it's also it's also going to prevent you from completely standing, putting all your weight on the pegs, depending on where your pegs are. Mm. I mean, if you're on a, a sportier bike, I, I think you probably wouldn't need it as much on a cruiser. It's like a weight has been lifted off of your shoulders. It is like the greatest thing. And I know wind is different for everybody. I got advice from probably 20-some people on how they handle it and how they manage it, and just none of it worked for me. It's like having hiccups. Stand on your right leg, hold your breath, and lift your you know left arm in the air. That works for some people, but it never worked for me. That's good to hear you made it out okay. Just, it's just a little wind. No problem. Now you're yeah, done. everybody tells me that. <laughs> now you're done. Now you made it. There you go. Exactly. That's good. Um, yeah, I haven't... Sally haven't caught up on much running last week, but I plan to maybe go Monday. I don't know. It's a holiday weekend here, you know, Memorial Day. Even though I work today, it's Saturday, so I didn't really have a three-day weekend. But we do get a nice long four-day weekend for Fourth of July. So yeah, if anybody knows of a uh, gently used uh, ZRX 1200 that's for sale on this coast, California doesn't help at all. So anything over here that's not. Uh, asking you know heinous amounts of money for please uh drop me a line because that's what zrx 1200 yes that is nancy's bike it's like the replica eddie lawson replica huh. it's a kawasaki they're borderline vintage at this point kind of collectible because they're much older and they're just harder to find so i was trying to find that there just aren't any triumphs in our budget so yeah and then yeah hopefully then we can go riding um, is that a triple no it's a okay. four. Just it's a, checking. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's an inline four. Um, yeah, it looks old, but it's not. It has, you know, modern engine. It just It's the replica of the replica. <laughs> and, um, yeah, have you ever seen Nancy's bike? Yeah, I have seen this bike because mm-hmm. I've seen it in the purple, green, and white. Yep, there's purple, there's a blue, there's a black. Believe it or not, there was a brown, or there was a gold. It was like gold and brown. Gold rims, green, black, and white. No, 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 no. The body paint was like a combination of gold and dark red, like 49er colors. It was really awful. Yeah, And then there's all these terrible custom paint jobs people have done to ruin it. But he's looking (laughs) for the green, the classic Cowie green. Hopefully after that, we'll be able to do some riding down in Virginia because I really want to go south. But um, yeah, so anyway, still need to catch up on riding. The good news is I found my toolkit on the back of my bike because it's in a different location than my previous vehicle so that was good because i really liked my toolkit it was they're cheap tools i mean they're not no kidding they're not snap-on tools or cruise tools they're just really cheap tools but they came with a bike and they fit every piece on the bike so you know that any nut or bolt on your bike will this toolkit will have it and i used it all the time i used it constantly i used the allen wrenches to get my seats off you know i used the tiny screws to undo my foot pegs. I mean, 
I use that toolkit religiously and when I got this bike it wasn't under the seat like my last one so I just assumed I guess I don't get one and then I googled a little bit and people were like yeah it's in this weird location under here and here and I don't, I don't know somehow I just missed the photo like I for some reason didn't bother to look google images up to look for a photo of where this thing is and the guy who sold me my bike Jerry he came by the shop he came by Revzilla today to go shopping so I gave him a hug and I'm like hey do you know where my toolkit is and he's like you haven't found it yet I said no that's why I'm asking you where is it so he finally pointed it to me and uh yay now I have my toolkit and on top of that, uh, as soon as like when I got to work and then uh, a couple hours later when I said hi to Jerry and went to look at my bike, I noticed there was a nail in my tire. Aww. So I got a, f <laughs> yeah. So it was definitely something I got when I got to work because it was riding fine on the way there. Um, so it had a slow leak, but it, luckily it was a tiny, it was a really short nail, it was like an inch long. So it wasn't crazy. I was able to summon the spouse to go get a patch kit and fix it before I left for work, before I left work. And luckily we had a tire compressor at work, so it was able to fix it for me really quick. So we'll see. Hopefully I won't need a new tire for a little bit, but that's always fun. Good times. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, don't know, I was a little busy at work today. Oh, I wanted to, I'm going to, we'll share this link from Speedy. So Speedy's an Italian apparel manufacturer. They are number two behind Dionese in Italy. Uh, the quality is very much comparable. They source their leather from the same area, the Dainese, blah, blah, blah. Um, they put out this really cool video, and it's a history of glove making. And so it gives you a nice background, um, kind of the foundation of the company and how they make their gloves and you know what goes into making them, et cetera, et cetera. Pretty cool. So just some really nice, interesting history about the company, if you're not too familiar. Oh, what else? Oh, there's a book. There's a matching book and video. Exciting. Kind of cool. Speedy has a cocktail book? It's like a book about the glove, about glove making. So, hmm. yeah. It's like a book and video that go together. Hopefully they toss a couple of bikes behind those gloves. I don't know if I would literally, like, roll through a coffee table book showing me gloves alone. There's not a lot of glove porn going around. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure that's got to have, I don't know got to have some interesting stuff in it but any recalls do we have anything of that like no it's you know kind of kind of quiet on that front it is really quiet on that front um oh i did see we did see uh sarah she went to washington dc i believe she went to what have a meeting with on behalf of the mic yep right with other board members with other board members to discuss motorcycle rights in the united states so if you're not an AMA member, you should definitely join because the AMA lobbies on our behalf as motorcyclists when it comes to federal laws, everything from off, you know, off-road vehicle use to emissions, you know, um, like the ethanol laws and rules and regulations, just safety, everything, they're our voice. So if you're not a member, it's great if you can join. We are both members. Um, they also yes. give you towing. You know, you get some bonuses. You get some discounts. Oh, yeah. 
you know you... i think the the towing thing was kind of the clinch point for me in cool. joining and keeping it because if you're a triple a holder mm-hmm. you acknowledge that triple a doesn't exactly see motorcycles the way some of us see motorcycles mm-hmm. they recognize them as a recreational vehicle so in order to get that as kind of added to your policy they don't offer that you get your car policy for like you know i think i have premium so it's like 70 some dollars a year and then you buy pretty much the same cost of a policy for a motorcycle because motorcycles are lumped into RVs. Mm. Now I'm thinking if I'm going to get my RV towed, it's probably going to like create a lot more problems and be a lot more of a dent financially on the towing company than say a flatbed for a bike. But that's just the way that we're seen. We're seen still recreationally and we're not, you know, mainstream enough as far as the vehicle option that you take instead of driving your car to work. My main concern about calling AAA is that those guys have no idea how to properly, you know, not mount, properly secure my bike to the bed and that they don't have the right, you know what I mean? Like they don't know what they're doing and that they're just going to kind of half-ass it and guess. That's why I, I like... I had my bike towed by AAA and yeah. I was pretty, pretty descriptive. Yeah, hey, I've got this motorcycle. You're needing to send a flatbed. You can't, you know, send a regular tow truck. That guy seemed to have it totally under control. But then again, I was in a dead spot in like Red Rock Canyon where there's literally no mm. phone service whatsoever and the only way I could actually call to get AAA was not that cute little roadside phone with the little solar panel because that thing was broken. <laughs> I mm. had to I had to hitchhike, <laughs> mm. which was always interesting when you're head to toe in motorcycle gear. At the time, I think I had my helmet still on and I had my finger out. And literally wow. this SUV with um, the people who actually stopped. Keep in mind, there's like probably 10 people that passed me. SUV that stopped had a mother and a father in the front and then twin two-year-olds in the back in car seats. And I sat essentially bitch between the two two two-year-olds in my motorcycle gear with my helmet on and the kids are just wow this is so cool this girl's like this girl looks like an alien and she's sitting in between us and i'm sitting on like cheerios and these guys are just so great and they give me a lift and they're like hey do you want to do you want us to wait you know while you sort this out and i told them hey you know what that's totally kind of you guys but you're heading the other way and you know, I appreciate the lift and I don't know how long it's going to take, you know, because service was at this little um, this little shop. So I Aww. basically took me 30 minutes between that and my insurance company to figure out who had the better plan, because mm. sadly, that 70 or so dollars for the flatbed for the bike is not the same as what I pay for the car, which is a 200 mile tow for my vehicle. That's, I mean, my, I had an older car, so I wanted to have like the ultimate tow in case it used to die on me somewhere and I was far away. So I thought I got a similar policy with my bike, but literally it was all that money for just 40 or 30 mile radius. It Hmm. was, you know, don't quote me on it, but I barely within one mile of going over my limit, found a Kawasaki dealership. Nice. And all it was was my battery connections were um, corroded and came away from the battery. That was it. Hmm. Of course, nowadays I'd probably be able to figure that out on my own, but what mm-hmm. it really needed was a good toothbrushing and uh, and some love. Nice. So, yeah. Hmm. I have yet to need the towing. I hope not. I've so far had luck with either a friend nearby or actually i have called the motorcycle tow guy in san francisco because there actually are two guys steven is one of them and then there's another guy and they just go around town and around the bay area picking up people you you call their number yeah they're known as the 
tow motorcycle tow guys. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually awesome because there's a lot oh, of hilarious and need, awesome. A lot of people who need tows and pickups. Um, Apparently. Yeah, and you know they were pretty cheap, and they you know took my bike to the dealership for me, so that was nice. But yeah, I've just not needed the AAA yet, but it's it's nice to have the AMA as a backup. But um, absolutely, because their plan is healthier. Yeah, in general, like we said, it's it's just good to be a member and support your fellow motorcyclist. Yeah, and much like any political lobby mm-hmm. or kind of, you know, any organization that has a, a degree of political ties, mm-hmm. it's important to note that you're not going to agree with every single piece of legislation that they want to push their interests to. What you need to keep focused on is not necessarily the one crazy thing that they might chase, but the 50 other things that you've either read about, for example, ethanol, or that you haven't read about mm-hmm. with respect, what's the, the latest thing that they've been chasing after is stopping motorcycle-only checkpoints. So they also do a lot of great legislation locally in towns that you may not get through your regular mailer on AMA. It's definitely something to look into. I think it's like 45 bucks a year is what I pay. Something close to that, 55, yeah. something around that. And they have family. You can do a family. So you, yeah, I think we have. And as well, you can get yeah. lots of great discounts on products. Shampa is 15% off if you want to get base layers. So mm-hmm. there are lots of perks also, just like a AAA card that um, you yeah, can they, benefit from. They even send you like Hertz rental car coupons. I think yeah, I got like, exactly. b- or budget. Like, so there's a bunch of stuff there. Join. And then if you're a, a woman, you get their really awesome women motorcyclist card, which I think is kind of cheesy, but you know, whatever. I'll let that slide given the uh, benefits of, of joining AMA. Um, don't you have one of those? Did no, this... I don't have the women's card. I'm but surprised. I do get this little, I do get like a, my card is like a typical gray with like the AMA logo on it. Oh no, but you I, really? Do get a pin. I get like a pin every year. I get the pin, has but like the third party right. or whatever that you've I'll, been a member. I'll have to show you my cheesy woman card. Um, yes. Is it pink? <laughs> it's purple-ish. <laughs> Like violet with some flowers and some other... It's just thank you, AMA, for everything that you do. Just one last little thing. I want to just answer this question that I got from a gal who is also moving from the West Coast to the East Coast. And she she emailed me on on Gear Check and she just wants to know... (laughs) She wants to know if if, uh, we can still ride year year long. I have no idea. I, I am told that you can. But uh, this winter here was pretty brutal, so I I don't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, How much does she like the rain <laughs> next year? Yeah, I don't I don't know. And to be completely honest, Philadelphia is this totally different microclimate than like West, uh, even West Philadelphia or the western part of the state, because I'm in the lower right hand corner of the state, and there's still like thousands of miles of Pennsylvania to the west that get completely different weather and really severe weather they get way more snow they get colder temperatures so i don't know i'm not quite sure um dc why if dc gets better weather or worse weather than we do in in downtown philly because every time my friends who are in west philly are posting photos about snow and hail, I'm like, I haven't seen any of that. I I have no idea. Like, I have no idea why you're they're getting that weather. But I think being so close to the ocean, um, Philadelphia is lucky. So, I, I sadly, I don't I don't know. I'm not sure how I'm going to um, answer this question. She also wants to know what kind of cooler to cold weather gear 
to recommend. That That's probably the easiest answer. There's a ton of outfits to choose from that are insulated and waterproof. Um, you know, I would certainly recommend Gore-Tex suits as the best option for winter just because I think they do the best job of windproofing and waterproofing and then adding a, a secondary layer of windstopper insulation. But Gore-Tex sure. is hard to find for ladies, but there's a lot of options. If you want a personal recommendation for yourself, feel free to send me an email on my website and give me some specifics about what you ride when you intend to ride and like where you live and weather-wise what you're needing and what your requirements are as well as your measurements and like height and weight that sort of thing and I can throw you very specific outfits but I have yeah, no idea what to expect you know Gore-Tex we've covered quite a few options in that department uh climb and alpine stars being two of them that I'm aware of that still make women's but um there's only three you know if you can yeah if you can find uh <laughs> If you can find our suit, which is the Revit Legacy GTX as well, somewhere on the interwebs, um, that is also a great suit that both of us own. Yeah, sadly, those are a little bit harder to find here. You probably could find some on eBay or in yeah. Europe. But um, uh, I just, you know, send me an email or if you want to post something on the podcast page, you know, ask a question there. We can answer it there. There are lots of options. It just really comes down to what you need, and everybody's needs are very different. So, you know, give me a shout. Give us a shout if you if you need suggestions. Yeah, and also that most the there's a website that I would never have found on my own, but Joanne was able to like look into the back end to see where the sizes were for this suit when I was looking to buy, and one of them was in a at a German website called fc-moto.de, and they're actually quite reliable. It, it kind of felt weird ordering internationally from a website because you're thinking. Well, that's so far away. Maybe they'll just take my money. I've never heard of these guys. Like, I can't find anything on the web that says they're awesome. I guess I'll just give it a shot and then tell my credit card company. They're I don't understand. Dealer. Nothing yeah. ever came. But, just a German but dealer. Yeah. I was able to order through them um, the pants, I believe it was, because I'm such a tough fit on a 38 long, that uh, they actually showed up um, on, like, a next day air because I rushed. And they were actually less to buy them from Germany and pay 60 bucks for shipping than they would have been had they have been available in the U.S. You know, it, and so that was amazing as well. It's funny. It looks like they have a store. Or maybe this is just a photo. Kind of like a, a Revzilla equivalent? Uh, um, I don't know. You know I mean, I doubt it's a boutique. Um, but when you go to their website, there's a photo of a storefront. And it appears yeah. to have motorcycle stuff in the window. Oh, wow. um, look at you taking it a step further than when I did. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious to see like the kind of stuff they have. But um, yeah. yeah, actually, I mean, we get European, we get a lot of people who are overseas shopping on our website because we happen to have an incredible selection. So people all over the world try to order from us. Um, but and because it's expensive to buy a lot of the a lot of the product, even with the taxes they pay it's less than if they buy it in their home country. So they yeah. buy it from us and they pay for shipping. A lot of people, ton of people. There's certain products you can't actually, you're like, um, there's certain brands where you're not, we're not allowed to ship overseas, but 
yeah, if you can find something on eBay or Craigslist is actually where I found some really good stuff. Um, there's a website called Search Tempest. Um, even if you just, yeah, even if you just Google search all Craigslist, there are these engines that let you search multiple Craigslist regional areas at once. So being in Philly, I can search Los Angeles if I want and San Francisco and Chicago or whatever areas I want. I can put in a zip code and then tell it search a hundred miles of my zip and it'll go all the way out for me, like to South Carolina and it'll search the entire um, cloud of Craigslist, which is actually really awesome because I found yeah. some killer stuff that way. And it's shocking to not have actual Craigslist itself offer something like that. Well, That's always boggled me as to why they don't do that because that is such an amazing feature that they could totally offer and put all of these guys out of business in a heartbeat. I don't know. I'm sure there's some like, there's probably some moral or I don't know, ethical <laughs> or who knows what. Um, Reason but it's awesome. Why. You should use it. It's great. Yeah, like I found some cool stuff. Um, that's how I found like that old Revit jacket, old mesh jacket. Which, by the way, if anybody's looking for a very nice mesh uh, ladies Revit jacket, and you're very very thin, and you have trouble finding things that are narrow enough for you, um, and have really long arms, please message me because this jacket is very tight. And I'm going to have to sell it. Um, really? Which yeah. jacket is this? So if you Google it, it's the Revit Air Force. And it was about five, six years ago. Air so, Force, did you say? Yep. Like Navy, Army, Air Force. And it's old Revit. Very old. So it is very tight. And I would say if you are between 5'3 and five nine and you weigh no more than i'd say 145 maybe 150 and you have very narrow shoulders and um really long arms you really like this jacket oh um jessica wears it that's her summer mesh jacket so it's uh it, it was really great. It has a rain liner. It comes with a pouch, actually, to stash your rain jacket, the liner. It has what a, color is yours? It's just gray. Um, there's a little waterproof pocket pouch on the chest for your phone or your wallet. It's kind of cool. So it comes with a waterproof liner. And then um, I did. I was able to stuff one of my back protectors in it. But it's very tight. I don't know. I'm just debating. Can I lose 10 pounds? Maybe. I don't even know if I lost 10 pounds if it would help because my shoulders are still pretty broad for it. So I don't know if that would help. So, you know, if you know any ladies who are kind of in that range of, of fit, um, let me know. It would be actually really good for someone who's pretty tall. Um, I like it. It's just, eh, I don't know. I'll have to see. If I was looking for another jacket, you're describing me. <laughs> Almost, but it's a 36. Ah, uh, yeah. But here's the I thing. I think I can do that. No, you could, because you're a 36 in the body. You're not a 38 in the body. I am. You're way too narrow for that. You weigh less than me, remember? But no, I think that I wore the, a 38 yes, in, uh, the, in the Levante. Right. And the reason you're wearing a 38 in the Levante be, is because you're so tall and you're really long. Because if you shoved yourself into 36, your sleeves would probably be too short. Mm, but in the body and in the bust, you would be a 36. 
Yeah, so I don't have a lot in that department. This would probably actually fit you really well. The shoulders are still pretty narrow. I think that's the yeah. thing with this jacket. But so it's basically an old airwave, but I I don't know. I'm still going to see if I can wing it and lose a little. I'm going to be in a wedding in September, so it's good Yay. motivation. Uh, I'm getting married again. No, I'm a really good friend, <laughs> really good girlfriend who's getting married in Tahoe, so I'm going to fly back for that in September. Oh, that's why you push back your dates, huh? So I'm going to, yeah, because I can't fly out two times in two months. Yeah. So I'm going to try to motivate myself to get in shape for that because it's a strapless gown. So I want to have really good shoulders and tone up my arms for that. Anyway, yeah, you know, if if someone in these parts or anywhere might need that, you send me an email. Maybe it would work out. We'll see. I'm asking a little under 200 bucks for it. Um, anyway, it's up for negotiation. But that's all. That's my, just wanted to add, throw that in there. Cool. Yep. Got nothing else for this Indeed. week. Indeed. I'm going to try to go riding again. We'll see. I've been trying really hard to meet up with my motor main friends, but they're really far. Their meetups are like three hours away from here, and I can't. I can't wing that in a day. Until then, let's see, next week is the 1st of June, so I should be around. Will you be around? Oh, yes. Yeah, so we'll be back. We should be back with you next week. Um, until then, please visit our podcast page on Facebook, Motorific Podcast, and then visit us on the Twitterverse. Christy is ADV Goddess. Of course, I'm there as Gear Chick. And uh, let us know how you're doing. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you later. Bye.